Hey, everybody, and welcome to Learning from Smart People. I am your host, Rob Oliver, and I will thank you for being with me today. I will apologize. I am a little bit raspy. I have a man cold, and um, which basically means I have a slight cold, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to die from it. Um, but <laughs> uh, that being said, you are going to learn today from a smart person. His name is Graham Brown. He is a podcast authority, author, and entrepreneur. He is the founder of an award-winning podcast agency. I, listen, Graham, welcome to the podcast, man. Rob, it's great to be here with a fellow podcaster. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, so I need your help in proper pronunciation of your company name. Pickle. Pickle. All right, that's fine. It, like Google or Apple. We're in good company. Wonderful. I, it, I was looking at it and I thought, you know, I asked how to pronounce your name. I asked all of these wonderful things, and so it's P I K K A L. And Correct. we'll go with we'll go with pickle. So let's start here. Tell me a little bit about like your backstory. How did you get that? How did a guy from England end up in Singapore doing podcasting? Yeah. Oh, thanks, Rob. I mean, it's great to be here. Um, you know, we were chatting off air about podcasting and, uh, you know, how we sort of pushing the boundaries. And hopefully we're going to talk a bit about your, your marathon as well today. We've got to give props to that. But I think, you know, it's a very new space. Everybody's trying different things, learning different ways of, you know, what podcasting can be and can do for people. I think ultimately it's about storytelling, isn't it? It's about giving people a voice whether that voice is people who don't have a voice normally in traditional media or for many of us who feel our story is not worth telling, mm. which I feel is that imposter syndrome, isn't it? We look around and we see people who have, you know, amazing stories, you know, the Steve Jobs is of this world. And we think, oh, well, who am I to tell my story? But everybody's got a great story. I mean, myself, I come from England, and, but I haven't lived there for, well, over 10 years. Um, 2012, we left, we sold all our stuff and packed our lives into three suitcases, like me, my wife, and my son, who was six at the time, and then we weren't traveling. And what Rob was originally supposed to be a few months turned into six years. We ended up traveling around the world and uh, ended up in a few interesting places. But here we are in Singapore now. I mean, we moved to Singapore in 2018 to start a podcast business and you know, through the wonders of technology, we can be speaking from Singapore to Pittsburgh. So how about that? Here we are today. Yeah, it's fantastic. And so tell me a little bit, because I, I completely agree with you. So many people feel like their story is insignificant or they are insignificant or, uh, okay, so uh, let me, I think I've told this story on the air before, but I'll share it with you real quick. Okay. So I thought I would like to be the most famous Rob Oliver in the world. And I, I started off to, to see how I could do. And then I found out that one of the producers from the Simpsons cartoon show, it, his name's Rob Oliver. And I'm like, okay. Oh, yeah. I, I, all right. That kind of puts a damper on it. So I thought, okay, maybe I'll be the most famous Rob Oliver with a disability. But turns out there is a Paralympian from the UK who happens to also be named Rob Oliver. No. And I'm like, no. And then, so <laughs> what do you need to do, Rob? Right. So I figured um, I've got 
four best-selling books. I'm the father of triplets. And then, as you mentioned, and I had not, I had not announced this yet, but today is the grand unveiling of this. Uh, on May 6th and 7th of this year, I am going to be attempting to set a world record for the longest podcast interview marathon, which I'm really excited about. But it... I have found that, you know, you kind of have to niche down and down and down until you, mm. like, I become the most famous Rob Oliver who has a, um, who has a disability and is the father of triplets and has a Guinness <laughs> World Record. And, and if I niche far enough down, then I'm, I'm really actually somebody special. But that being said, when, when I share my story of acquiring a spinal cord injury, of learning what learning what it means to be human learning what it means to live with limitations that's a story that everybody can relate to because mm. we all have to deal with that I, and i think that that really is the message that you're sharing that mm. says and it's really the it's really the focus of this podcast we can learn from everyone and it doesn't mean just on an academic level it also means that when people tell their stories, we empathize with them, we understand them, and we can learn from their experiences because we've experienced, we've had something similar because we're all human. Does that resonate with you at all? Yeah, we all are living our own version of the hero's journey. Going back to the Joseph Campbell work, you know, the hero with a thousand faces. If you, if you think about, you look at media, you know, everything from Marvel, you know, to... The heroic myths, the Greek myths of old, uh, you know, we look at this and we we have been indoctrinated with this idea of these journeys that everybody is, you know, these heroes are going through. And the the problem is, is that you know we, you mean you and I, Rob, grew, have grown up in an era, you know, in our younger years where media was very much about celebrity and about famous people and we weren't of that world you know these people who are you know improbably good looking and rich and endowed we weren't of that world and so now we're in this world where we have to pick ourselves to tell our story and that culturally is it goes against the grain for a lot of people you know i have to pick myself i have to stand up who am i to tell my story but you know i'd put it to you, Rob, and all your listeners as well, is that in our own ways, we've all lived a hero's journey of some sorts. You know, I'm sure there's a guy who left a bank, you know, and started his own business. That in itself, you know, left the world of comfort and took risk, you know, went on the rocky road of adventure. That's a hero's journey in itself. You know, he you can imagine the conversations of from his colleagues and co-workers that you know, all about, oh, you shouldn't do that or think about your pension or your 401k or whatever it is, or your kid's education. And then there were people who maybe left a country and moved somebody else, somewhere else in the world, you know, against the advice or the well wishes of other people. You know, in all of us have in some point in our lives faced uh, our own versions of those journeys, you know, some of them more extreme, you know, yourself, Rob, as well, like adversity that you've overcome. And, you know, turned around to such positivity as well. And I, so I feel that the key part of podcasting in particular is giving a stage so that people can share these journeys and these stories. And that they may not think they're heroic in any way, but to other people listening, they may find something in it and thinking, wow, that person spoke for me. 
you know, they, mm-hmm. their story, you know, that's the niche part, isn't it? Is that that story is me. It may not be relevant to somebody else, but their story is me, but you know, maybe two or three years down the line. So it gives me hope. So I'd say to all the audiences that we, we all have stories worth sharing. It's just that maybe we don't have the practice of sharing them. Yeah. We don't have the practice and sometimes we don't have the platform. And so I think that that's really important. And that's really what podcasting is about in some ways. It's giving folks a mm-hmm. platform to share what's going on with them. I, I want to I transition a little bit. We were talking a little, uh, what we were talking about sounds like sharing personal stories. And I, from a business perspective, where does storytelling fit into, you know, building a brand, doing like in, in all of the, the marketing and, and, you know, business building aspect, like where does storytelling fit in there? Hmm. Yeah. We tend to think storytelling is once upon a time, don't we? Or, you know, our personal narratives, but look at where we are today. And people follow people, not brands. That's the reality that we identify with an individual, you know, like I identify with Rob's story. I get into the backstory, hear about, you know, that sort of heroic arc that you've been through. And then from that, that is the doorway into business. So it's very much the same with brands as well, is that the people within those brands and the stories they tell become the experience of that brand. You look, for example, at Microsoft. So there's Microsoft, the brand, and then there's Satya Nadella, the CEO. And if you, even if you were to take it down to the level of social media, if you look at, for example, LinkedIn, which Microsoft part owns, the posts that they put on, on LinkedIn. So Microsoft's fan page has something like 18 million followers. So there's plenty, is enough. But the posts that it puts out there are measured in single digits of likes, which is surprising, really, given mm. the resources, because they are very, you know, standard. They're, you know, it's stock photography, and it almost looks like a display ad. So people aren't interacting with that. But then you look at like Satya Nadella, for example, the CEO, the post that he makes, similar kind of issues, but he, he'll personalize it a lot more. And he'll talk about his story and, you know, his, even his children as well. And he'll get thousands and thousands of likes. And you think about that, that to me is the reason why we need to tell more stories. We need to, in business, unlock the human potential of our brands, because for so long we've locked it in for fear that, you know, these human beings inside our brands are, you know, potentially a cause of a, a PR crisis. If they say something, you know, what happens if we give these people tools to tell their stories? That's going to be hell let loose. You know, that was a very traditional command and control view of branding, right? But, you know, we need to move away from that pipeline view of branding and move into building platforms where we can curate these conversations and empower people to tell stories and give them, importantly, the green lights to go and tell stories because it's it's okay that you can speak in public. You know, storytelling, executive, you know, profiling or public speaking, it used to be a privilege in these companies. You know, you used to have this clearance only you could speak, but that has to go away. Storytelling is everybody's business. And what is more authentic and empowering than hearing 
people from all different levels of any organization speak out and talk in a human way. That's the future of branding. Yeah, it, it's, it's so interesting because it sounds to me like what you're doing is taking the Apple um, Mac concept and taking it to the next level. Because it used to be when you were advertising computers, it was all about numbers. It was about storage and CPU speed and uh, screen size and hard drives and you know all of those things. And Apple, if you look at an Apple ad for a Mac or a MacBook, there's no numbers, there's no nothing. It's a bunch of, uh, you know, colors and people and all of that kind of thing. And you're saying, okay, it's, and it evokes, it evokes a certain emotion and a certain experience. Mm. And then you're taking that to the next level to say, okay, when you're hearing this, the Steve Jobs story, when you're hearing the story of what people are doing with their Macs, now that's a, that's another level even beyond just moving away from the numbers and moving towards emotions. Am I correctly understanding you? Absolutely. Emotion's the key word here, Rob. I think it was Maya Angelou, the civil rights activist writer, who said that you know people will always forget what you told them, but they'll always remember how you made them feel. You think about every single presentation that we've sat through, you know, and so, most of them probably are completely forgettable. <laughs> You know, and some podcasts as well. But it's the feeling, isn't it, that we give people. And Steve Jobs obviously was a master at this. And we can learn a lot from him in storytelling. We don't have to be him to be as good as him. But it's definitely a skill that it can be practiced. It, you know, he, he wasn't naturally a confident guy. So people say, oh, it's okay that Steve Jobs can talk about, you know, the Mac, like you just said. Because he was this, you know, natural storyteller. Well, it doesn't exist. We've all had to work on this, right? There's a great um, scene from one of the Steve Jobs movies, but it's sort of apocryphal where he stands up and talks about the launch of the iPod, which was really, you know, the device after the Mac, which really changed everything. And you've got to bear in mind that iPod was competing against Microsoft Zune at the time. And the Microsoft Zune, you know, who remembers that? It's gone. It, But it was the iPod killer. It was marketed as this sort of, you know, like you say, like with all the features, you know, that look at the CPU speed and how many, da, 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 you know, all this kind of stuff that it looks interesting to trade people, right? But Steve Jobs knew that that didn't sell to most people. And he stood up when he launched the iPod and he said, you know, this is a tool for the heart. And if you think about that, that one line is a story. You know, stories don't have to be, you know, trilogies, you know, these epics. They can also be one line. But the stories we tell about ourselves, the stories we tell about our companies and what we do, they could just be one line or even one word. You know, an analogy, you know, a lot of religious texts are based on analogies, right? And you can use that as well. Because if you, for example, if you stand up in front of people and say, it's a tool for the heart, if they understand what a heart is and emotion and songs and, you know, it was the, our song when I met her, you know, that was our college song, you know, or the, that song when I'm sitting alone on a plane going somewhere, it's the song that brings me to tears, you know, all these kind of things. We know that we connect with it. Once you get people to buy into that, then they also buy into the next stage, which is your product or service. So, 
you know, a key part of storytelling is creating emotion in people. You're effectively what you're doing, Rob, is you're, and this is what great storytellers do, is you're taking away uncertainty. Hmm. That we're all scared of the unknown. That's just human beings. We're scared of the future. We're scared. We're fearful of what we don't know. So what a great storyteller can do is they can connect that unknown future and, and anchor it in a known experience such as an emotion and say, uh, or an analogy, for example, that mm. that is a tool for the heart. Okay. It's an unknown object, but I'm connecting it to this feeling that you have about it. And that's really a good example of storytelling. And it can be very, very short and it can be very, very subtle, but it's, it's, it's extremely effective at influencing people. Yeah. And I mean, that's not, it's not really even a story. It's just a, it's an explanation, but I, Okay, you brought up the Microsoft Zoom, and I'm gonna, I have to tell you this story, okay? Back in the days when those, they originally came out, I was, I'm a numbers guy. I'm a, you know, like I need to know. So my, my wife said, I, I want one of those music things. And I said, okay. So I said, like, how much storage do you want on it? Uh, how, and I started to ask her all of those questions. And her answer to all of them was, it has to be pink, Okay. <laughs> and, and so I went through and I did all of this research and trying to find out what was the best. And I, I literally finally came up with a, a Zune and it had all of the things, but um, it wasn't until I found one that was pink before I knew, okay, I can actually buy this because it, to, um, I, it, it sits around our house now as kind of a, a, a memory of, of back a in relic. the day. Right. Yeah. But it's, it's that understanding that um, to the common person, what what mm. is important to me as you know a technical person doesn't mean that much. Mm. Uh, that it's not about the storage. It's not about it's it's about this thing that does what I need it to do. It plays music and it looks like I want it to look. It's pink. That's mm. what that's what's important to me. Don't bore me with the details. Uh, it's a Super interesting, super interesting way to approach things. So let's let's talk about this a little bit because you've come on my podcast and um, you know we're talking here and you're sharing insights, you're sharing stories in some way. Uh, if someone out there is saying, "Okay, I think this might be a good idea for me," I think mm. I've got a story, I've got a brand, um, or let's start maybe from the step behind step behind it. I have a brand that I want to build and I think I would like to utilize podcasts as a way to do that. Uh, can you give insights a into developing your story and B into deciding what podcasts to go on or what podcast route to pursue with hmm. telling that story? That's a, I think that's, those are two doozies of a question. No, that is fine. I mean, this is what people ask, right? So yeah, like break it down. When I look at podcasting or any kind of brand building, you need three things. You need a stage, a story, and a system. And the stage of choice here is podcast. The story is the narrative that you're going to build over time. And the system is really keeping yourself in the game in the long term because you can go at a podcast with a bit of you know motivation 
wind in your sails and then you can give up after six episodes. You need to have a system in place. Otherwise, you know, you're not going to see the results. It's a long-term game. So let's go back and look at podcasts as an option for you to do this. Four or five years ago, I would have said, yeah, great, go and start a podcast because, you know, the world needs a stage for that conversation, the conversations that matter, right? You know, maybe there are not enough of them. Maybe there are not enough stories told about the people in that industry or whatever it is that the conversations that you cover. So therefore start a podcast and create it. Today, I would take a slightly different approach because of what's happened in the last couple of years. In the last couple of years, you know, obviously we're well aware of how our lives have changed. Um, and there's been an explosion in podcasts. People have started podcasts as a great way of reaching out, a great way of connecting people. What a, you know, in a world where we aren't connected as much as we used to be, right? What a great way of having these conversations. Today, I would say, go into it by guesting on other people's podcasts first. So it's a great way for you to build an audience and then roll that audience up into your own podcast. Because what's changed now, Rob, is that compared to four or five years ago, it's getting a lot easier to produce a podcast and a lot harder to promote. Meaning that you can't just create a podcast and find audience anymore. It doesn't happen. You know, it's not build it and they will come. In fact, it's getting very hard just to maintain audiences. Mm. And the real focus now is like, okay, we, we understand all the tech. You know, we've got Zoom now. I mean, how easy is it? Everybody can use Zoom. We've got all that. Everybody knows how to publish a podcast if you can just point at Apple or Spotify. The challenge now is growing an audience. So I would say to anybody thinking about this is that go into it in an agile way. And that there's two parts of that. The first part of being agile with podcasting is leverage other people's audiences, you know, get onto their podcast, learn the craft from them, build up some great connections uh, with podcast hosts who, by the way, make great guests as well. You know, you know that they're set up, they've got the mic set up, they know how to do it, they're well behaved, <laughs> they have audiences. So go into it from that perspective. And the second part is about your content, your story. You know, storytelling is never a case of having it perfect out of the gates, right, off the bat. Is that you need to go into it in an agile way meaning that you know you need to get on stage you need to practice you know the first podcast you did rob the first podcast i did we probably cringe a little bit when we listen to it it's like oh no did i really sound like that just like the first public you know public speaking you ever did right you're always going to be nervous and a little bit shaky it's the same with podcasting you want to get through that and every time you do a podcast you speak to people and you get feedback and you refine your narrative just like a stand-up comic would right you get on stage you go and do a tiny little dive bar with 10 people in it and you practice your material and some of it bombs right but some of it works and then you roll that up and constantly refine and refine and refine in what i call agile storytelling is you perfect your material and that's how i would approach it is that you know don't get too hung up on finding your why for a podcast. Like, oh, what's the big idea that I'm going to talk about? Of, often people don't have it. 
You find your start and the why will become apparent. The why will be these connected dots of all these different conversations that you have and you'll make sense of it. You'll gain hindsight, you'll gain perspective, you'll gain context. So don't let a lack of having an amazing idea for a podcast stop the show. Just find your start. So go out at Agile and be open to feedback and commit to the long term. Yeah, I really like what your thought is there. And the thought is leverage other people's audiences, okay? So you're going to start off and you get your your friends and family to listen and whoever else you're connected with on social media. But then to find... But I would, I would suggest you need to be cautious about where you're going um, because if you are if you are on the wrong podcast trying to promote something that that doesn't fit it's going to be counterproductive it is that do you agree with that yeah yeah there's four million podcasts in the world today so we have a lot of choice um the good thing is is there's lots of tools and there's lots of data on who to target and increasingly a picture of a successful podcast is emerging so you know we can see for example that rob's done so many shows now and he has a different podcast. We can develop a picture of you and your avatar and your audience avatar. And it, the question is really is does Rob's audience avatar match my audience avatar? You know, the people I'm trying to reach, is there a big overlap with the people Rob's trying to reach? You know, can I speak to their pain points as well? So that's really important is, you know, a lot of people go out podcasting, especially guesting is just spamming everybody and hoping for the best. You know, you only have so many hours in a day, but it's much better to spend a bit more time working out who is talking to the same people as you. Because, you know, those audiences will become your audiences. You know, one plus one equals three in I, podcast audiences. That's the magic. It's mathematically beautiful. not correct. <laughs> I, no, but it makes sense. And um, as a podcast host, I can't tell you how many pitches I get from people. And I'm like, you have obviously never listened to my show. And what you did was you, you put together a formula email and it just inserts yeah. the name of my show at the beginning. Um, you know, I love what you're doing with learning from smart people. And then the rest of it is just, and it's yeah. like, you have no idea what's going on here. And so, um, if you're, when you pursue your podcast guesting, if you're going to do it yourself, um, do your research and yeah. it, there is nothing there's nothing that will get you booked quicker than a good personalized pitch that says yeah. what what it is that you bring to that podcast audience and how they can benefit from you i don't care as much about your qualifications i don't care as much about I, I, what i want to know is what is my podcast audience going to learn from you Did, do you agree with that or Oh, absolutely. It, it's just such a turnoff, isn't it? Getting those yeah. templated emails. They don't have any respect for you or your time. What are they going to bring to your audience if they do get on your podcast? Exactly. And here's the thing is that, you know, you're going to sell so much more in the long term if you allow people to connect with you at the human level as opposed to come onto a podcast and just continue that pitch. Yep. People don't want that. They can get off the website. Yes. You know, why am I sitting to here listening to a pitch? We, we smell the BS like when people turn up and do that. We don't want it. But yep. what we do want is the human stories, right? And that's what we connect with. Absolutely. So it, leave the pitch behind. Yeah. Um, if you, 
don't force it. You give it. And it, the more mm. you, you give away, the more it comes back to you. Listen, Graham Brown, thank you so much for being here. If people want to learn more about you, uh, where can they find you? What's the best way to, to connect with you? Yeah, just go to the website, Pickle, which is P-I-K-K-A-L.com. Uh, wonderful. I will put that in the show notes and uh, you know, make sure that people head over there and connect with you. And um, hopefully they will be able to, to learn a lot more about what you are doing and possibly working with you. Awesome. It is time for three questions to establish your humanity. Are you ready for these, my friend? <sighs> You're in the driving seat. Okay. Do your worst, Rob. Um, if you had a warning label, what would you, the Graham <laughs> Brown warning label say? A warning label. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. It's got to be something like um, he asked too many what if questions. So be prepared. <laughs> I, so um, are you a, you're a what if person then? Well, like, you, you know, I'm the kind of person that says like, uh, why do we have to do it like that? And, uh, you know, even from like, you know, when I was knee high to most adults, I, I was like that. Why, why, why? And that for some people gets them into trouble. But I think in the same way, it can be, you know, without those people, we can't make any progress in the world, can we? Like, why, why does it have to be done like that? Why can't we do it differently? That's the warning label because it's an acquired taste. Some people hate that. <laughs> Good enough. What celebrity would you like, most like to meet? at Starbucks for a cup of coffee. <laughs> celebrity. I'm not a big fan of celebs so much, like the Hollywood celebs, Rob. Um, I would say, I don't know, it would have to be somebody like an author or, um, you know, somebody who's doing something else in the world, actually making something. But who would I like to meet? Mm. Yep. I would like to meet... We'll, we'll go with we'll, celebrity as in... A, Famous person no. in any uh, any field or, uh, you know, someone that would be known. Yeah. I would like to sit and have a conversation with Malcolm Gladwell, the author, because th he's just a bit eccentric. And I think it would be an interesting conversation over coffee. Yeah. And I do li like his books. I read his books. And I just think, you know, especially the last one, Talking With Strangers, I thought was fascinating. So it's, again, it asks too many what if questions in my own head. <laughs> no problem at all. Okay. So you're living in Singapore and yeah. if you're going out for dinner and you are not eating native Singapore cuisine, what, like, what is the foreign food of choice in Singapore? Oh, if that makes any sense. Oh, there's so much because, because where we are geographically, we've got access to so many different foods. Obviously, there's Chinese, Japanese, Indian foods. I'm a big fan of Indian food for me, the, the, especially South Indian food. So, you know, I spent a lot of time in India. I set up businesses in India. And the South Indian food, very mild, um, very balanced, a lot of vegetarian food. But the, it's amazing. There's so many. Like, if, if you really want a recommendation, try the idli dosa. It's like an esteemed rice dumpling which they serve with this small sort of sambar curry and you have it for breakfast it's amazing wonderful I, my recommendation I, recommendation duly noted graham brown thank you so much for being with me today you are indeed a smart person we have all learned from you to all to my audience thank you for being here i hope you enjoyed this as much as i did and i will remind you that when you stop learning 
you stop living. Have a great day, everybody.